Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. Dilbert, The Far Side, Calvin and Hobbes, all iconic global brands. And they all have one thing in common, Kansas City. With us on this episode to talk about that Kansas City connection is Kirsty Melville, the president and publisher at Andrews McNeil Publishing. Welcome, Kirsty. Hello, great to be here. I mentioned a few well-recognized and really beloved brands as I introduced you. Andrews McNeil is behind many others as well. So give us an overview of Andrews McNeil and what it does. Well, perhaps I should start with how Andrews McMill actually began. It's a well-kept secret of Kansas City. It's been around for 50 years. We celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, We had a fantastic party last February, which in hindsight, who knew that we wouldn't be having such parties after that? Really? party actually was John McNeil and Kathy Andrews. Now, Kathy Andrews' husband, Jim Andrews, founded the business with John McNeil in 1970. They had been college roommates at Notre Dame and Jim Andrews moved to Kansas City. He had been an editor at the Catholic newspaper at Notre Dame and then took a job with the National Catholic Reporter in Kansas City. And he was a very smart editorial person who was beloved early on by many of the authors and creators we worked with. And John McMeal set up his office in New York and he was a sales and marketing guy and he would pitch. They decided that they would form Universal Press Syndicate, which was syndicating cartoonists to newspapers. And the very first cartoonist they signed was Gary Trudeau. Mm -hmm. And he was a student at Yale doing a comic strip for the Yale newspaper, school newspaper. And uh, Jim Andrews said, what about you starting a a column for a strip for us called Doonesbury? So Gary Trudeau is still syndicated by us. And last year we published Doonesbury 50, which was celebrating 50 years of uh, publishing and working with Gary. He sort of represents the type of relationships that we've built over time. And I think the company has its foundation on that amazing relationship with our creative community and working to bring their work to the world. And that, of course, has evolved from syndicating newspaper comic strips to publishing of books and calendars and greeting cards and developing digital products. We have a digital site, Go Comics, which evolved from the syndicating comic strips and we're developing other products as well. So we've now a multifaceted, well-rounded multimedia company that distributes content in many different genres to the world. Yeah. And across many, many different platforms, 50 years, and especially a 50-year relationship with a client like that, that is a really amazing story, a very strong relationship. And as you said, it does speak volumes about the philosophies and about the approach the founders not only possessed themselves, but they were able to impart to associates at Andrews McMeal over the last five decades, that that has not been lost. You know, why, when you talk about the idea that they had, a lot of people, a lot of founders in this space would have said, middle America, no way, they won't survive there. We're going to go to the coast. You know, so what if we're from here, or we've already been doing business here in some other aspect, but we're going to go to the coast. Why did they choose to stay in Kansas City and build Andrews McMeal right here? 
I think they they deliberately did not want to be in New York. I think obviously that that's where the market was, but actually newspapers were all over the country. So being in the Midwest was not such a bad thing. We had sales reps traveling all over the country. But I think it was more about the place. Kansas City is a bit of a well-kept secret for the rest of the country, I think, in terms of its sophistication, yet family-friendly, easy living. And I think the, the combination of starting a small business with a young family, which is what Jim Andrews had with his two sons, Hugh and Jim, who and Hugh now is the chairman of the company and Jim also involved. And John McMill, I think, was raising his family too and his daughters were here. And it was, so it was a good place to raise families and run a business. Did it matter that we were not in New York? No, we were still doing business with the coasts. Also, at that time in the early 70s, I think it was there were a number of small companies in different parts of the country that was evolving, making, and I think the, the environment lent itself to being a creative and entrepreneurial place. John McMill used to say, and I agree, we could be like a sailboat while there's these big tankers everywhere we could be nimble and i think being out of the fray has definitely been one of our secrets to success as well oh i love that be a sailboat be nimble now you have your own interesting story about how you landed in kansas city after growing up in australia what brought you here well, I have to admit, I had never been here before I came for the job interview. I uh, was raising Australia. I came to the States when I was 16 as an exchange student, an AFS student, and fell in love with the country. So I started my career in publishing in Australia, but always had this, this longing to come back. So when the opportunity presented to move to the West Coast to work for a publisher called 10-Speed Press based in Berkeley, California, I leapt at it. My husband and I were newly married and we thought, shall we move to the States or should we have kids? Let's go to the States. So we moved <laughs> to Berkeley uh, in uh, 1994 and loved it. And, and then, so, of course, you have children and life grows upon itself. We loved living in the Bay Area, but then uh, I was approached by Andrews McMill after an almost 11 years in the Bay Area working at 10 Speed and predominantly for that time to move to Kansas City. And I had noticed that Tom Thornton had retired and he had run the business for a long time. And I had thought, that's an interesting company, but I'm never moving to Kansas City. So they invited me to come and I spent a day interviewing with people and not thinking really I would take the job. And I got back on the plane and I thought, oh, no. I really like these people. <laughs> and I would tell you that it's the people that, that really made a difference. I, I was questioned at the time, why? Why are you leaving the Bay Area for Kansas City? And I said, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> but in fact, it was the people. And I had a young family at the time as well. And, and I wanted a career. And this was a wonderful job. And I could see that I could manage to be at home for dinner and still run a business and build my career. And so Kansas City offered that opportunity. And so my husband who travels didn't need necessarily to be in the Bay Area. It was fine for him as well to come to Kansas City. So with a big leap of faith, we moved 15 years ago. It was a great decision and personally and professionally. So I, again, I think Kansas City is a well-kept secret because of that. It, it's hard to articulate why Kansas City is such a great place to live. You essentially moved here, decided to move here for the same reasons that Jim Andrews and John McNeil decided that they were going to launch the company here. Mm -hmm. So you were aligned with their values and, and their style of living too. It, it, was, it was in alignment. Yes, it's a combination and also their philosophy with authors and creators. I've always had a passion for supporting creative people and authors. And in fact, I met my husband, he was my author. <laughs> 
So I was his editor and that's how we met. So, so I've always really enjoyed being in a position where I could help support the creative process, if you will, for people. Andrews McMill has always had what they call, and we call today, a creator-first approach, which is that, I mean, we are nothing without our creators. We, of course, support them and try to help build their businesses and, and build a relationship with them. But the creative talent, the inspiration, the ideas they're our creators, our artists, our cartoonists. That's who we support and grow and build. And that's that's why we do what we do. The media landscape has shifted significantly since Andrews McMeal founded in 1970. And people's interests have changed too. And also the choices about how they can spend their leisure time. So how has Andrew McMeal remained relevant despite all of those shifts. A lot of industries have a hard time uh, weathering one kind of shift, but that's three. How have you stayed relevant during this time? It's always a little bit of a, a panic. What's going to happen now with the, whatever the new thing is? And for years, people have said the, the book industry was going to die, that it would be replaced by um, digital technology. I'm working backwards here, but curiously, during the pandemic, book sales for us increased. And what I think we discovered was that uh, books are a, a, a sort of a, a universal form of communication that stands the test of time. There are other new digital streaming, obviously, or other forms of entertainment, but books are still entertainment and they are a symbol of education and knowledge. And so what's happened over time for us is that we've adapted our publishing. For example, the comic collections, we've always syndicated uh, comic strips and as newspapers have reduced in number, the marketing platform for comic strip collections also, the, the discoverability, the, the ability to find them in bookstores or in newspapers also disappeared. But what we discovered was that children still love comic strips and that if we shifted from publishing them for adults, although we still do publish comic collections for adults, and started publishing for children, there's one comic strip called Big Nate, syndicated for 20 years, and he wrote an illustrated novel and then we decided to publish his strips in collections aimed at middle grade children, essentially 7 to 12 year olds, and they took off. And suddenly what we discovered was that kids couldn't find comic strips in newspapers, that's not where they were finding them, but they found them in books. And as culture has changed and visual literacy has become more important, different styles of learning have become more important, adding that to sort of reading, cartoons and comics have been a, an entry point, if you will, for learning. And so what we've discovered is that our children's business, particularly comic strip collections and comics and, and graphic novels, has really grown over the last 10 years. So we've sort of pivoted. And I think as humour became everywhere on the internet, you know, humour is, is covered very well in every form you can think of. We found ourselves publishing books related to web comics and changing the style of publishing so that our publishing complemented what was out in the ether. And so because people still love books and parents still see books as something they want their kids to read, it's the way to knowledge and learning and education. So we have always had a slant of fun and entertainment and relatability and, and that content has evolved. That's a theme all the way through what we published. But several years ago, just before Instagram was a thing, 
uh, artists and poets were writing on Tumblr. And we discovered a young poet called Langliev who was out, out of Australia, actually. And she had a, a massive following on Tumblr and she had self-published a book. So we said, well, we'll pick it up and distribute it worldwide for you. And it became a bestseller. So that led us to think, huh, or me, I was thinking there, there must be other poets out there. And we then found Rupi Kaur, who's the author of a book called Milk and Honey, which has been a New York Times bestseller on the list for many, many years. She just recently published her third book. What we discovered was that young people were following her on Instagram, but they wanted to read her poetry in book form. And it was independent bookstores like Rainy Day. They were not buying these books on Amazon. They were going into bookstores because they wanted the physical experience. They had just enough money to pay for a milk and honey. I knew we had a bestseller on our hands when I actually was in Rainy Day and I asked one of the women there, have you got, I was checking out to see whether the book was there as a publisher does, <laughs> have you got a copy of Milk and Honey? And she turned to me and she showed me the back of her neck and she had a tattoo of the bee from the cover of Milk and Honey on her neck. And I thought, okay, we've got something going here. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, so so it's it speaks to Rupi's the quality of her work and and what she's writing about that it has a universal message that that relates to women and young girls everywhere and men too boys were going into the store and buying it as a gift for their girlfriends i mean it was just one of those phenomenon but the point is it was a book and it was first discovered on the internet and so i i just think that we are three-dimensional people. So we, of course, are talking in, in, and, and relating through ebooks and podcasts and as we are right now, but we're also reading physical books and we're listening to audio books and we're consuming our content in multiple ways. And our philosophy now is to publish wherever anyone is. So we publish audio books, we publish ebooks, we promote our books through podcasts and social media and regular media. When we could, we would do live events and people would come to book readings. Now we do virtual events. So we just have to learn to be flexible in how we publish. Yeah. And many of your brands tie generations together. You know, you always hear about the generation gap and your brands, however, they're so iconic that many parents want to pass the, the fun they had with them or still have with them down to their children. And so they introduce them to their children. And then, as you said, their children discover some of your new ones and introduce them to their parents. So so you act as a catalyst in that regard in, in strengthening those kinds of relationships too. I, one of the fascinating things about the pandemic was that one of our best-selling properties was Calvin and Hobbes. And I think what happened during the pandemic is that people wanted to go back to what they knew. And so our backless sales, our classics, really, really sold extremely well. And so people, to that point, the complete Calvin and Hobbes, which was originally, it was an audacious piece of publishing, was published 15 years ago and sold for $175. It was the heaviest, most expensive New York Times bestseller at the time. Now we've published it as a complete paperback collection. It sells regularly. And I think to your point, if parents want to share that with their kids. The messages and the themes and the voice and the caring that's reflected in Calvin and Hobbes is timeless. And that is why I think it resonates continually. The other interesting license or, or brand that we've reintroduced, if you will, this past year in calendar form was the far side. Now, so both Gary Larson and Bill Watterson sort of said, we've had enough, we're retiring, we've, we need a rest. And so we relaunched the far side website last year. And then we relaunched a calendar, day-to-day -day calendar at the time, at originally, it sold over 3 million copies a year, the day-to-day -day 
fast on the calendar. So we republished it for the first time in a number of years last year, and it was a bestseller. It was the number one calendar in the US last year. So, of course, we're publishing another one this year. But point being that there's some content and some comic strips and some humour that is evergreen, and that speaks to the long-term relationships that the company nurtures and believes in. You've talked a lot about the relationship that you personally and that Andrews McMill has with your creators. And your position there has certainly given you access to some of the most renowned creators in the world. Do you have any behind the scenes anecdotes or stories that you can share with us? It's interesting. I think there's always the books that got away. But I think more than that, we're speaking specifically of Calvin and Hobbes and the relationship You'll never find a T-shirts, mugs, any sort of merch with Bill Watterson because we had the rights, or the Universal Press Syndicate had the right to sell those rights to Hollywood. And we and the phone call came one day from Steven Spielberg about would we like to license Calvin and Hobbes as an animated feature, and uh, we had the rights to do so, but Bill Watterson did not want it to happen, so we didn't. And we've remained true to his artistic integrity. And it came time to do ebooks of Bill Watterson's books. There was a lot of work learning about the, what digital platforms would work. And ultimately, he did not want his books represented in any way other than how he intended. And so you won't find Kindle panel view versions of Bill Watterson's book. We've stuck with how he intended it. So we, we do have to sort of adapt and work with what the artists or the creators that we work with want and that's been a secret to a success another one just speaking of gary trudeau we have adapted and published different formats of his works over the years he was one of the first artists to be on slate.com and he had a strip that was on the washington post for a long time on the website and then he went off and made some movies and then he came back and did some single themed books around the time that i joined we were publishing collections related he had a series of strips that related to the Iraq war and, and the soldiers that came back. And then he he's always been outspoken about presidents. So um, over the years, he's got into a bit of hot water. And then last year, we published his 50 years. With his 40th anniversary, we published a complete set of a very big book. You can't put a complete 50 years into a book. It's too many years. So we ended up producing, uh, with a lot of thought and design, a jump drive which contained all of the strips in a huge box with a companion book. And at the first thought, you think that's ridiculous, but this was a way for people to access and search for what they wanted rather than searching all over the internet. Or And so we created a completely different package for people to be able to, to experience Gary Trudeau. I'm sure there's at least one listener and probably more sitting out there who's thinking, I did not know that we had a publisher like this right in my hometown. How do I get published? So any tips on that? Well, first of all, I wish we published fiction, but we don't really. So if you have a novel, we're probably not the right place to send it. Having said that, many publishers say that that authors need to work through agents. We do not believe that. I'm much more interested in working directly and or at least having the ability to work directly. Uh, We have a whole submission process. If you have a proposal that you'd like to submit on our website, andrewsmcmill.com. And so you can go there. There's a sort of process you can go through to help you think through is what you have the right type of book that we would publish because there's certain categories we're just not publishing in and we'd be the wrong publisher for that type of book but if you go to the submission page it'll walk you through and you can and you'll be able to see whether what you'd like to submit fits with what we publish and what is that website again 
It's andrewsmcmeal.com. We've talked about how Andrew McMeal's founders chose Kansas City as the company's home, or they chose to stay here rather, rather than move to more prominent publishing cities. And throughout its 40 plus years here, it's 50 years, Andrews McMill has a tradition of philanthropy in the Kansas City community. So talk to us about some examples of your local outreach and why it's so important to the company. So John McMill was passionate about the Kansas City community. And 35 years ago, he was one of the founders of Christmas in October. And so the company since then has participated every year, helping build and work with communities in need with housing. And so associates from the company have spent weekends with nails and hammers and saws and paintbrushes, working with Christmas in October to help support the local community. And then I think as as we started to publish into the children's area and we looked at how could we best work to support the local community. Literacy obviously became a critical piece of everything that we do and represent. And so we decided to look at local organisations where we felt we could support and help their their programs in literacy. So we've been working with Turn the Page KC, Lead to Read and the Little Free Library. We donate books to schools. We try to partner with schools sometimes to do research, focus groups with some of our kids' books. But ultimately, we we so believe in the power of reading and literacy that that seemed a logical place for us to support the local community. We also try to publish local people where possible to support the community in different ways. One of the most recent books that we're publishing is with Alvin Brooks, who's a Kansas City icon. Binding Us Together is his autobiography that we've just released for Black History Month. It was an honour and a privilege to publish that book. We also worked with the Chiefs on a 50-year retrospective of when they won the Super Bowl in 69, and then we followed up with a celebratory book. But we've also worked with Colby Garretts and Megan, who run Rye, and we've talked to local chefs. We did a barbecue book at one point. So we're very interested in supporting, encouraging creative people in the local community and also supporting children and literacy and giving back. It's integral to who we are as a company. And it's really refreshing to see that right here in Kansas City, that there is still a publisher (laughs) that exists that uh, adheres to that kind of a philosophy and those kinds of principles. Kirsty, thank you so much for sharing the story of Andrews McMeal today and for all that you do and continue to do, not just for creatives, but for our local community as well. We appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. This is Joe Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to Kirsty Melville for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Kansas City is known globally for our mouthwatering barbecue and legendary jazz. But one of the best kept secrets about Kansas City is that we have so many world-class best kept secrets. Think the Negro League Baseball Museum, the Liberty Memorial, and the National Museum of Toys and Miniatures. And another is publishing powerhouse, Andrews McNeil. We all recognize Calvin and Hobbes, Doonesbury, and the dozens of other iconic brands they have helped their creators share with the masses over the last five decades. And it all happens from right here in Kansas City. Country Club Bank applauds the innovators and creators in our community and we welcome the opportunity to help you bring your ideas to life. Let us be your partner, not a best kept secret. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City, Country Club Bank, member FDIC.